heard the guys, but thank you so much for being here. My goodness, that was beautiful. I thought that piano was going to start talking. <laughs> you get another lesson, you're going to really be good at that, you know? <laughs> ah, bless your heart. And that lily bloomed tonight, didn't it? That was really good. Thank you, my brother. You know, I really enjoy, especially Teresa and churches here in the area, to get to see people that I'd seen a long time. And I really thank God for that. Thank you for letting me come. And um, it's always good to get together. And I so thank God for this church and you people and the blessings you've been to me over these years. Let's pray before we read the scriptures. Father, we thank you for what we've already heard tonight. We thank you for your presence. And we ask you now to do what I can't. I pray you'll bind all satanic, demonic, and psychic power. And may the Spirit of God speak to our heart from your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a copy of the scriptures. I want you to turn with me tonight. I'm going to tell you a story. And I want you to answer the question at the end. Who was the happiest? It's a story that I think is one of the greatest in the Bible. Uh, the book of Esther. If you have a copy of the scripture, if you don't know where Esther is, find Psalms and Job, turn left, and you'll run right into it. And um, I just want to read a few scattered verses in a few of these chapters that I pray that um, will help us kind of get the idea of the setting of the story. Chapter 1, verse 1, it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, and Ahasuerus in the scriptures, is, you may be more familiar with the name Xerxes, same king, just a different name. This is Ahasuerus, which reigned from, look at, now notice this territory, how much reign this guy had in geographical space, which reigned from India even into Ethiopia, over 107 and 20 provinces. That in those days when King Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the palace, in the third year of his reign, and watch this, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all his princes and his servants. And the powers of Persia and Media and the nobles and princes of the provinces being before him. And he showed the, the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even a hundred and fourscore days. you imagine that? Then jump over to chapter uh, 4. As time goes on, uh, there were several events that take place in these chapters. I'll share them with you. But I want you to look at a statement that's made in verse 12 following in Esther chapter 4. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Mordecai and Esther were cousins. Mordecai was much older. Uh, but when her mom and dad passed on, he took her into his home and raised her. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with yourself that you shall escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if you altogether hold your peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house shall be destroyed. And who knows, look at this statement, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Do you know in the book of Esther, 
Ten chapters, even though chapter 10 is real small. Ten chapters, the name God's never mentioned. But I don't know of a book in the Bible where God is more seen than in Esther. It's so clearly. Then as Esther made her decision in verse 16, she makes a statement, If I perish, I perish. Then I want you to notice a statement that's made in chapter 6. Look at this. On that night could not the king sleep. And he commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. Now just think about how you see the hand of God, his providence in this, as this story unfolds and what came to be. And the word of God says in the following chapters, Look at verse 16 of chapter 8. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. How many of you agree with this statement? When people often say, well, I don't have time. We find time to do what we really want to do. You believe that? Well, the time has come. The time has come for each individual Christian to make a, a big and maybe a hard decision in your life. We've got to decide, folks. The hour's late. The conditions are terrible. Many churches have grown cold. Many are closing. The country's in worse condition than I've seen in my lifetime. There's a loss of compassion among many of God's people. And I believe the closeness of his coming is so near. God help us tonight to understand the seriousness of the times in which we live and the need to be willing to stand up and make a decision that will honor him. Uh, again, we can find time if we're serious. I heard about a lady one day. She was, this was back in the days. Many of you, you old times anyway, you remember that. You remember when ketchup came in glass bottles, not the squirt kind? You remember how hard it was to get ketchup out of those bottles sometimes? I've been tempted many times to throw it up against the wall and just take what's left, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but one day a, a lady, she had cooked some french fries for a little boy. He was four years old at the time. And uh, she had the fries ready. And she was trying to get him some ketchup. He loved ketchup. And she was trying to get him some ketchup on his plate to where he could dip his fries in. And she was banging on that bottle. And the phone rang. She asked the little boy, said, you go, would you answer the phone? And he went over and picked it up. Hello. And it was the preacher. And the preacher said, I want to talk to your mama. And he said, Mama, the preacher wants to talk to you. And she told the little boy, she said, you tell him I'll call him back later that I can't get to the phone right now. And he got back on the phone. He said, Mama's hitting the bottle. And she can't come to the phone right now. <laughs> she found time. And we can find time to do what we really want to do, don't we? And God help us to understand that we need to do that. Uh, one, one guy, you'd have to know this fellow, but he's, been, he's very wealthy. Made a lot of money in his life. He's in his late 60s. And uh, 
Thanksgiving and Christmas were always special times at home. And he always he had five kids. All of them were grown. And at this time when this thing happened, all of them were in their late 20s, early 30s, mid-30s. All of them were married. And um, he didn't have any grandchildren. And uh, one Thanksgiving, he set them all down just for the meal. He said, look, guys, I need to talk to you before we have prayer and eat. He said, uh, you know, your mom and I have loved this time of year. Every year we get together and celebrate. And he said, I don't want to see this stopped. He said, but I'm concerned that you don't have any kids. And I don't have any grandkids. He said, I'm afraid this tradition that is so wonderful in our family is going to come to a close if we don't have some grandkids. He said, now, I've made a boatload of money in my life, but I don't want to see you let money take the priority in your life and you forget what's more important. He said, so I've made a decision. He said, I have put $50,000 in a trust fund. And the first one of my children with their mate that has a grandchild gets the 50000 He said, now let's pray. When he finished praying, they were all gone home. They got up and left. <laughs> now, that's going home to take care of business, and we need to take care of business. The book of Esther opens with the name of a king that was one of the great leaders of that day. He was a heathen. Xerxes, the great king had great power. His power was almost unlimited. These oriental kings were like sovereign people. And the Word of God says he wanted to show off his kingdom to the people of that world of that day. And he threw a party that lasted six months. Over my years in churches, I've met a lot of Baptists. would love to get an invitation to that party. <laughs> six months. Six months he was showing off his riches and all the things that he had. And you can read it in the Word of God. I don't have time to read it all tonight. But in the Word of God, when they got about half drunk, the king did. He sent an order. He sent one of his servants and said, Go get Vashti. She was the queen. And by the, the Scriptures, she was one of the most beautiful women you'll ever see. And Vashti was meeting with some of the other ladies. And the king sent his servant and said, You go tell Vashti that I want her to come and parade herself, her body, before these people so they can see what a beautiful wife and queen I have. Vashti started the first women's lib. She sent word back to the king and said, No, I will not do it. And he got so mad. And he met with his advisors. And he asked them, he said, what do you think I ought to do about this? And they said, King, if you don't do something, our wives are going to just going to disrespect all of us. They're going to think they are the boss. <laughs> you ladies hang with me now. <laughs> and they said, take the crown. And that's what he did. Because Vashti was willing to take a stand. She lost her crown, but she kept her respect. We are tonight 
the recipients of many blessings because many of our parents and grandparents and forefathers have taken a stand in the past when taking a stand wasn't easy. And now the ball's in our court. We've got churches scattered across our land, but many of them are closing their doors tonight. There are men of God that are quitting by the bunches. We're in trouble. But one match can burn a forest. And tonight we need people that are willing to pay the price. If it's saying a big fat no to the world, say it. By the grace of God, be the men and women God wants us to be. Because listen, people, in the church that I pastor in Lynchburg, and I, what a blessing it was tonight to have a meal with these young people. We have so many young couples in our church at home. We, we have on the average 25 new babies a year. That's a lot of babies, isn't it? <laughs> but my heart bleeds for these young couples and these, these kids. If we don't do something, they're not going to have a world that we had to grow up in. And it's going to be the church. God says, if my people, he didn't say if the devil's crowd, he said, if my people, called by my name, Christian, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, God says, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal the land. We need it, don't we? And it's going to come down to men, women, parents, young people, being willing to take a stand as Vashti and say, no, I won't do it. And then the Bible says after the king Xerxes sobered up, he began to miss his bride. He decided to get some advice. He asked some of the others, what do you think I ought to do? I need a, I need a bride. I need a queen. And they said, have a beauty contest. That's what he did. Word of God says ladies from all over the kingdom came and one of those young ladies was a young girl named Esther. Her name means star. And that's what she was. She was a star. Word of God says that she had been reared in the home of Mordecai, her cousin, her mom and dad had passed on. And, and now Esther, a young, beautiful young lady, had no idea at this time in her life the plan that God had for her. But the Word of God says that somebody encouraged her. We don't know who it was. It just says that she got into this contest and she gained favor in the eyes of the person that was carrying on this beauty contest. And the Scripture says that when she went before Xerxes, she found favor in his eyes. And she was crowned the king, the queen. Isn't that something? It's amazing how God can do and how God can work when we think he's backed up in a corner. And the Bible says as time goes on, there's another man in the kingdom that is promoted to a high position. In fact, he's next in line to the king himself. This man's name was Haman. Haman enjoyed his position. He was a very proud man. He enjoyed riding down the street in his chariot and seeing everybody bow down to him and tell him what a great person he was. And before any of us think that Haman was like no one else, there's a little Haman in every one of us. 
It's our nature. If it's not under the control of the Holy Spirit, we all have the potential to be proud and cocky and arrogant and do the same thing. And the Word of God said there was one man in the kingdom that would not bow to him, and his name was Mordecai, Esther's cousin. He would not bow. And when he would ride by on his chariot, everybody would bow down, but not Mordecai. He'd stand there just like an arrow. And it irritated Haman to death. And the Word of God says he began to talk to some of his friends, and he decided the way to deal with this is to have a law passed where he would have all the Jews killed on a certain day. And through deception, he caused this thing to be written, and he took it before the king, and the king stamped it with his ring, and the law was passed. And on a certain day, the Jewish people would be killed. It was the law. Now watch this. The Word of God says because of the law that was passed and the deception that was used, there was coming a day when all the Jews in that kingdom would be slaughtered. The people of God were doomed. Do you know by the law of God, we're all condemned. We're all sinners. Not most of us. Not some of us. All of us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And somebody, the only way they, they could be saved... It's for somebody to get before the king, the place of authority, and change the law or turn the king's mind. And the Word of God says the people were in a dilemma. It was a dark, serious time. The Bible says there was mourning throughout the kingdom. I know of a preacher. His children are grown now, but when they were about six or seven years of age, they kept doing something that they shouldn't do, and he kept telling them, stop doing that. You remember your parents? You remember those days? You remember when you told your kid not to do it as soon as you turned your back they did it? And he kept telling them, stop doing that. And he had to leave for two weeks in a revival meeting. He told them before he left, he and his wife sat him down. He said, listen, we done told you, told you, and told you to stop doing that. If you do it again, you're going to get a spanking. He left for two weeks. Got back home, went, walked up to the door. His wife was there. They kissed, and she said they did it. <laughs> now think about it. He said he'd been gone for two weeks. All he wanted to do was hug him and kiss him. He didn't want to give him no whipping. But he couldn't lie to him. He's the dad. And he took those two children back in the bedroom. And he asked him. he said, do you remember what I told you? They knew they were in trouble. You ever seen a little kid stand there and just melt your heart? Tears welling up in the eye. They knew they were in trouble. They knew they had done wrong. They shook their head. They, they remembered. He said, do you remember what I told you I was going to do if you did it? And he said at that point, he realized, I can't do it. And he prayed. God, I need an idea here. I can't, can't spank him to save my life. I just want to grab him and hug him. And God gave him an idea. He said, okay, guys. He took his shirt off. Then he took out his belt. And he knelt down beside the bed, and he gave that belt to those two kids, and he said, both of y'all got to hit me on the back five times apiece. 
And he said every time that belt hit him on the back, they screamed and cried a little louder. They weren't getting hurt. But when they saw how much that daddy loved them, that he was willing to take that judgment, it broke their heart. And Christians tonight need to take a fresh look at the cross. We need to remember tonight the one that died when he didn't have to. He said, I could pray one prayer and annihilate planet earth. But because he loved us so much, he was willing to go to the cross and die in shame publicly. God help us to take a fresh vision of Calvary. To fall in love again with the one who died for us. And be willing to let him use us for his glory. And the word of God says there was a time when a personal command, commitment had to be made. And Mordecai sent word to Esther. The Bible says his clothes were torn. He was in mourning and Esther didn't know what was going on. And Mordecai sent someone to tell Esther what had happened and the law that had been passed. And he said somebody's got to do something and change that law. And at first, Esther was unwilling to do it. She was very reluctant. Listen, what would you do? She had a, a sound, high, powerful position. She was bathing in money. She had political clout. She had ability to do things that she could never have done in her life. Would you give it up? The Word of God said at first she said she couldn't, and then... Mordecai sent word back to her and said, Who knows whether you'll come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Can you remember back in your life, those of you who are Christians here tonight, can you look back and see strategic times in your life where a lot of your life depended on that decision? I can. Not long after I was saved, I was in Korea. I was in the MPs. Because of a lack of GIs, we were serving, we were working 712s. And then most of the time it was on patrol. I was out in the villages. And I got so tired, so weary, a lot of bad decisions, a lot of bad things. And after seven months, 712s, I was just worn out with life itself. And I came in one morning to the day room. I hadn't even taken off my pistol. I was, I was still, I was on nighttime patrol. And I came in there, and I still to this day don't know who this guy was. But I sat down, I hadn't even turned in my pistol. And I was just sitting there, just dreaming about sleeping. And a guy was sitting over there, and he said, Can you shoot that thing? I said, Yeah, I can shoot it. He said, I mean, can you shoot it with accuracy? I said, well, son. He made a statement. He said, if you're good enough, I can get you off this 712. I lit up. What are you talking about? I don't know if he's pulling my leg or not. He said, there's a pistol tape. He said, you know how these officers like guns? He said, if you can shoot it good enough. You can have country club living. I said, sign me up. You had to go through a tryout. It was 40 guys. They kept five. Thank God. I got to be one of them. All I did, day in, day out, all day long, shoot a 45, four and 500 times a day. A blind man can start hitting some shoot that much. 
And uh, that's all I did. Pow, pow, pow on the line, shooting bullseye. Training for 8th Army matches. That was the big event. That's like the World Series. I came to know Christ. One night, when I was at the end of the rope, I walked into an old army chapel and I asked Jesus to come into my life. I couldn't have explained it to anybody that had been at the door. There was nobody there. It was after midnight. But I knew something had changed. Shortly after that, we were getting close to 8th Army Manches. And the master sergeant, who was our coach, he said, we're going to have to start shooting on Sunday to get ready for 8th Army. Immediately, there was a conflict in my mind. I was gone when he told the other fellows. wasn't with five of us. I was number three shooter. you got to have four on the line. And when I walked in that day, I'd just been out taking a walk. The guys told me, said, we've got to start shooting on Sunday. And I knew. I can't do that. They don't have but one service a week. And I went to the bar. That's where he was. He was. In fact, he was about half drunk. And I walked up to him. I said, Sarge, I said, the guy says we've got to start shooting on Sunday. He said, that's right. I said, I'm not shooting. He got so mad. He said, you'll either shoot or I'll throw you off the team and court-martial you. I didn't know if he would do it or not. I thought he would. But I knew God didn't want me to do that. And I prayed, God, I just ask you to guide me. I don't know what else to do. I feel like I need to be in your house. And I went back to the barracks. This is the honest truth. That night at midnight, at midnight, the back door of the Kwanzaa hut where we were staying at that time, it, was, it flew open. And the sergeant was standing there. And he cursed me and he cursed every one of the guys. And he told us what he thought of us. And then he, his last statement, there'll be no shooting on Sunday. And he slammed the door. And I laid there in my bunk. And I thought, I don't know how God did that. But God showed me. You do what I tell you. I'll take care of the other. If I had not done that, I believe to this day I'd still be paying the price for disobedience. It may not be a pistol team for you. It could be many issues in each life, but you've got to make a choice. And the Word of God says that Esther came to a decision, and she said, if I perish, I perish. Mordecai asked her to go before the king. If the king did not hold out his golden scepter and you went into his presence, he could have you killed immediately and he didn't have to get a clearance with Congress to do it. He could just raise his hand and his soldiers, his guards, would take your life. Esther knew that. And she said, he has not called me in. 
But then she said, if I perish, I perish. I'm going before the king. And the word of God says, as the story goes on, Esther did go before the king. And he asked her, ask whatever you will, Esther. I'll give you to the half of the kingdom. And she said, I want to give a banquet to you and Haman. Haman was that guy that had caused all of this to take place. And the Word of God says that they went to the banquet and one of the most amazing stories in the Scriptures is the latter part of uh, chapter 5 when Haman, after the banquet, he goes into home and he, he's kind of really proud and arrogant of what he is and what he's done and he's bragging on his riches and he's bragging on the fact that he's so great that the king can't do without him and the next day Esther says she wants to have another banquet with the king and Haman and he's boasting about that. I get to go to another banquet with the king and queen. And the next day at that banquet the king asked Esther, what is it that you request, Esther? And she said that my people be saved. And he found out at that point, who's trying to kill your people? And she said this wicked Haman, he's the one. And the word of God says that the king got so mad, he walked out into the garden, and when he came back, Haman was trying to even make a move on Esther. And when the king saw it, he called in his soldiers and had him hung on the gallows that he had made to hang Mordecai. But I want you to notice a statement. We just read it. On that night could not the king sleep. I think that's one of the most amazing statements in the Bible. On that night could not the king sleep. Look what was hanging in the balance. The people of God were about to be slaughtered. The plan of God was about to be stopped. And the man of God was about to be silenced. This is a time when we need to believe in the providence and the sovereignty of God. Washington is not in control. It's heaven is in control. And thank God for that. And whatever we have to face, he will meet our needs. It doesn't matter who is in the office. Isn't that good? Now I have a choice as you do. But whoever it is. They will not be overruling God. Thank God. The church is going to be here when Jesus returns, and we need to be the people that God can use to do His will. In Vietnam, that was a young soldier that took a grenade one day. The, the enemy threw it. He and some other GIs were there, and he took that grenade and threw it to, to save their lives. And just as it left his hand, it went off and blew his arm off. When he woke up from the, the grenade going off, there was an army surgeon that was working on him. And he said, son, you've lost an arm, but you're going to be okay. He said, I didn't lose it. I gave it. There's a big difference. Jesus didn't lose his life. He gave it. He gave it for you and me. He gave it for us. Let's rise to the occasion. Johnny Erickson, you ever heard on the television giving a testimony, the crippled girl, she was injured in a diving accident years ago. She made a statement one night I will never forget as long as I live. Johnny said that she couldn't wait for the day when she could stand up on resurrected legs and kneel down on grateful knees and thank Jesus for saving her soul. Let's recapture people the beauty of the cross. 
and the Savior who died that you and I could have life. The time is now. Who knows? One of these young people might be the one that God puts his hands on. Who knows? The person in this church that could trigger revival. Who knows? The person that God may choose to use in this community, in this city, to turn multitudes to Christ. Don't undervalue the power of God. And how he can use anybody that's so willing. For God's glory and for the good of our kids and our grandkids, the time is now. We don't need to play church, but live for Jesus. Love each other. Encourage one another. Lift each other up. We're all sinners. And we all have our weaknesses. But when we surrender to the Christ, it's amazing, isn't it, that some of the things he used in the Scriptures. He used a mud, piece of mud, and put it on a guy's eyes. There's no doubt in my mind, Walmarts of that day bottled up mud and said it's a miracle. It wasn't the mud that healed him. Jesus said, you go wash it out and you'll be healed. He was willing to be obedient. Isn't that amazing? God used a little boy with a rock and took down a giant. God used a young lad with a little bit of lunch that his mom had prepared feed a multitude over these years I've seen God so many times use people that you would have thought they'll never be used of God and yet they were there's a guy in Midwest this honest truth not, not belittling him in any way not making fun of him he didn't have much education one of his favorite stories in the Bible is John chapter 3, Nicodemus. You know what he called him? Nicodemus. He called him Nicodemus all week. And God used that boy to save 21 people. 21. You know what? why? He had a fire in his heart that the devil couldn't put out. And Jesus released himself through him. God can use you. I've seen him use you. Let's say, do it again, Lord. Do it again. Pastor, would you come? I'm going to quit. I don't know where you are in your journey tonight. No doubt of this many people, there's somebody here tonight that's never been saved. You don't know what it means to be born again. You may be a good person, maybe a religious person, but you've never been saved. Tonight you need to come. You don't have to understand it all. You just need to understand you're a sinner. And Jesus loves sinners. He died for us. And you're willing to give your life to him. If I perish, I perish. Some of your church members, there's been a time when your fire burned, but tonight it's gone out. You need a revival. Would you give your life to him afresh? He saved your soul. He wants your life. Will you do it? God help us. May we stand.
Yes, sir. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Again, it's number 414. It will be on the screen. Salty and the God that you need 